This week on Talking Central Arizona Sports, Bradshaw Mountain Baseball accomplishes a rare feat twice. Hello everyone, my name is Torrance Dunham and welcome to a weekly podcast catching you up on the latest with Central Arizona sports teams. Part of Talking Glass Media's Cast 11 podcast network, the show features game previews and recaps along with interviews with coaches and players and much more. We begin this week with the Bradshaw Mountain baseball team, which is blazing hot. The team has won eight straight games, scoring more than 10 runs in each game. Last week, they swept a two-game series against Coconino, outscoring the team 23-4, and then swept Mojave in a doubleheader on Saturday by a combined score of 23-1. The team in that stretch of games last week had back-to-back no-hitters. Nate Ramirez didn't allow a hit and struck out six in the Mercy Rule 14-0 victory against Coconino on Wednesday. And then Vinny Magdaleno followed that up on Saturday with another five hitless innings in the Mercy Rule 13-0 win over Mojave. He struck out 13 of the 15 batters he faced. The wins improved the Bears to a perfect 6-0 record in the region and an 8-2 record in Freedom and Region games overall. Join the show to continue talking Bradshaw Mountain Baseball as head coach Brian Bundrick. Brian, how are you? Doing fine. Thank you very much. So, good week last week for the team. Four wins, including back-to-back no-hitters against Coconino and Mojave, uh, as well as scoring more than 10 points in each. What were your thoughts on your team's play last week? Yeah, I mean, we came out and uh, got after it pretty good. Uh, those scores are really no indication of that team. They're, they're a pretty good team. Um we just kind of got ahead of them and, and made some good plays and um, got some outstanding pitching from from Nate. Um, you know, he threw the ball very well, and, and then they just did us a favor and hit some balls hard, but they hit him at us, and we were able to make plays on them. So, uh, you know, Coco, it was good seeing that. And then uh, Mojave, yeah, we had a long trip down there for doubleheader, and, um, you know, my second baseman, Vinny Magdaleno, he is fantastic. And, unfortunately, his arm's tender from time to time, so we don't get to throw him much. And, uh but I, I kind of convinced him into starting, and he went out there. And uh, I think he faced 18 total batters. Uh, he had one hits batsman, and then he uh, walked two guys. And then of the 15 total outs, he struck out 13. So he was uh, he was lights out. It was impressive all the way around. Uh, you ever seen back-to-back no-hitters in your time as coach there? Never. Uh, never. Um, in fact, Dino and I are reflecting back. I think the first year we were here with Clifford back in the day, I think we might have thrown a no-hitter that year. Um, we've had a few one-hitters, right? But no-hitters are so difficult, um, and um, especially against a good team. You know, um, you know, Coconino's a good team. There's, you know, and nothing not, not taking anything from Mojave, but but Coconino's definitely a better team than Mojave. But um, you know, like I said, you know, we caught some breaks there, and then they hit some balls hard at us, and um, you know. And we made some plays, but we definitely have a strong defense. So that part was good. And But, yeah, it was exciting. Two in a row is pretty unheard of. You know, Nate, as we've been talking about, Nate had the no-hitter on Wednesday, and then Vinny followed that up with another one. Uh, when a no-hitter happens, does it kind of motivate the next guys in line, kind of like that Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, D-backs rotation of the early 2000s? Yeah, uh, yeah, whatever yeah. you can do, I can do better. 
sure, yeah, that's the funny thing that, you know, I, I told Vinny, I said, hey, I need three strong innings. Um, and at one time he'd struck out like uh, eight in a row. Um, I think he'd struck out like eight of his nine outs. Um, and I said, hey, how you doing? You want one more? Because he had a real low pitch count. He said, yeah, I feel good. I'll go one more. And then I told, um, you know, one of my sophomores, I said, um, you know, Randall, get ready to go in. He's going to he's gonna throw four. And then I actually changed it. I said, hey, we'll let Dalton throw the, the fifth. And then, you know, he got through the fourth, and I think he struck out two more guys. And I look over at Dino, and Dino goes, I know exactly what you're going to say. And I'm thinking, holy cow, well, I, you know, I knew no one had got a hit. And, uh, you know, we're one out away from completing four innings, and then he ended up getting out of that inning. Uh, I think with a pop-up or something. So at that point in time, he'd had like, you know, 10 of 12 struck out. And then Dalton comes sprinting off the field. And he's like, you got to let him go back out. Well, I didn't know that anyone else knew. Because when Nate threw it, nobody knew. Um, it kind of had, you know, everyone had kind of spaced it. So, you know, obviously I said, hey, you got to go, I'm going to let you go out there one more time. And he's like, heck yeah. And he did. And then, um, you know, obviously uh, he struck out two of those guys. And then, the last batter hit a ground ball to Dalton, and it was funny because Dalton was super nervous, but he made a great play and got him out. But, uh, yeah, it was a team effort, and everyone was excited. And the joke was we had to play him again, and, and Thomas was going to throw, and Dino just looked at him and said, hey, we expect nothing less than a no-hitter, and everyone was laughing. But, and quite frankly, I think we gave up two hits total in the whole game, so we threw well again. So it is exciting, and it's good that everyone's getting a piece of it and uh, everyone's standing behind each other and uh, having fun. So, you know, uh, not only uh, elite pitching, but uh, the offense, they're clicking well. Uh, they're clicking as well. So they've got at least 10 runs on uh, the eight-game winning streak that you guys are on right now, uh, 20 against Lee Williams uh, a few weeks back. What is making this offense so elite to go with this dynamite pitching? Selfless kids, that's it. Um, these kids are, you know, we worked on it every year I've ever been here, and, the, and these kids, they get it, you know, and it's hard to get high school kids to not be selfish um, including myself when I played, you know, you get out bases juice, you want to hit that grand slam, but you know, we're teaching these kids, Hey, you know, we need a, we need a line drive in the gap. And then worst case scenario, you know, if you're going to get out, you at least got to move a runner. And that's what these guys have done exceptionally well. And, you know, in the first couple of games that we lost, we, you know, hitting comes and goes as everyone knows, and it's way more difficult than anything else. But typically if you have a plan, um, and you know, and everyone sticks to that plan, you can, you can execute, you know, a couple of times throughout the game. And lately we've just been executing, you know, very well. Two out hits are always huge. You know, the teams who win will always tell you that two out hits are the one because obviously everyone's going on contact. And, you know, you get a lot of first guys scoring from first base on a double. And, you know, and those are, those are, those are just bonuses. And lately we've been doing that very well. I mean, Keyshawn Patel, um, he's as good as any bad bear coach here lately. He's every time he gets up with bases juiced or, or people on base, I should say, um, he's figuring out a way to score them, whether it's a long sacrifice or a double or even a high chopper to second base, at least get the guy in from third. You know, that's what we've been very good at lately. So uh, after a couple of freedom games this week, it's back-to-back uh, -back region, uh, or it's uh, back to region play, rather, to finish up the regular season. What does this team need to do to keep rolling through the region like you guys have been and end up with the region crown at the very end of the regular season there? You know, we need to stay loose. I mean, the, the hardest part of being a coach is overcoaching, you know, and I've been guilty of it plenty throughout my career. And, um, you know, these kids, at this point in time, you know, we work on little things, you know, like we, we were super windy today. I mean, 70 mile an hour winds. So we put most of our work, we went inside the gym. 
and we worked on you know getting stronger in the weight room and all that stuff but we we worked on some simple stuff like lead offs and cleaning up lead offs and down ball reads and the stuff that you know I, I would say that typically most teams are kind of over at this time of year but those things are the things that you know can separate uh, a team from winning and losing by one run and we're trying to capitalize and make sure that we work with these kids to make sure those things are, are getting done, you know, in a timely manner. But the the truth is, if we just go do what we're good at, and that is playing baseball, these team this this team is very good. And they mesh very well. There's you know there's no fingers being pointed. And, you know, everyone whenever someone makes a mistake, everyone's guilty. And uh, and so if they just go out there and play like that, they're gonna be just fine. Uh, one final question for you: You picked up win number one hundred this week. What does that milestone mean to you? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it means a lot. I mean, you know, I never thought I was going to do this for that long to begin with. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm I'm completely worthless without my, you know, my partner in crime, Dino Irwin. Um, he's, you know, he's my, he's my rock. I mean, it, you know, and so his kid's going to graduate this year. So I don't know how many more years we got, but, you know, I think he's probably going to take over as head coach here soon. Um, I know it's something he desires. Um, and quite frankly, uh, I would love to, you know, continue to do it with them, but we'll see how it goes. But a hundred wins is a pretty good milestone. You know, I, I never really thought I was going to do it. And then, uh, you know, it kind of came to my attention and then we realized, Hey, I can do it here. And so, you know, with 2020 being a complete wash for the most part, you know, it, 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 you know, it's nice to get that number down and, you know, and we all want to win and a hundred wins is a good number. So we're going to continue to grow. Hopefully. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining the show and, uh, look forward to having you on again soon. Yeah, thank you, sir, very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. The Bears this week have home games on Thursday against Agra Fria at 3.45 p.m. and Friday at 1 p.m. against Estrella Foothills. We'll whip around Central Arizona sports teams up next, but first, spring is here. Give Yavapai Plumbing and Heating a call to make sure everything is looking good and you are ready as the temperatures slowly begin to creep up heading into the summer months. All the info you need is at ypeinc.com. That's ypeinc.com. Welcome back to Talking Central Arizona Sports. Thanks for giving this podcast a listen. It's now time to whip around Central Arizona sports teams and get you caught up on previous results and what's to come this week. Starting off with how the Badgers did on the diamond over the past week as the Prescott High School baseball team went 4-1, sweeping both their games against Mojave by a combined score of 25-2 and each game against Lee Williams, the second a 14-11 shootout. However, they fell 15-3 in five innings in their game against Coconino. In the shootout against Lee Williams on Monday, junior Jack Burton drove in four runs, while senior Sam Strasser and sophomore Luke Tobin each had three RBIs. At 5-4 overall and 4-1 in the region, they have road games this week against Saguaro on Wednesday, Mingus on Thursday, and Coconino on Saturday. The Badgers softball team last week went 4-1 with back-to-back 11-0 wins over Mojave, 
a 14-1 and 19-3 wins against Lee Williams, but a 6-2 loss to Coconino. In the 19-3 win against Lee Williams on Monday, four players each recorded three RBIs. At 4-6 overall and 4-1 in the region, next up is a home game against Mingus on Thursday at 4 p.m. and a road game on Saturday against Coconino at 1 p.m. The boys' tennis team is a perfect 7-0 after wins last week against Cactus Shadows and Page. In the 9-0 win against Page, junior Luke Raber and senior Leighton Fetty won their double flight 8-0. Next up are road games this week against Deer Valley on Tuesday and Flagstaff on Thursday. The girls' tennis team also went 2-0 last week, beating Cactus Shadows 5-4 and Coconino 5-0. In the win against Coconino, senior Ava Strasser and sophomore Somar Hutman, along with sophomores Lacey Tolley and Sierra Coleman, each swept their double flights 8-0. Next up is a road game against Deer Valley on Tuesday and a home match against Flagstaff at 3.30 p.m. on Thursday. The boys and girls track and field teams on Wednesday will compete in the Father Olivier Invitational. Meanwhile, the boys' volleyball team last week went 1-2 with losses to Cactus and Estrella Foothills, but a win over Paradise Honors. The team is 4-4 so far in the year, but 3-0 in the region as they host Greenway Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. before heading out on the road to take on Dysert on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Over to Bradshaw Mountain now as the Bears softball team in the last week went 2-1 with an 18-15 win over Coconino and a 14-2 win against Mojave, but an 11-1 loss to Saguaro. In the win against Mojave on Monday, senior Brianna Baca hit two home runs and drove in five runs. At 6-3 overall and 4-0 in the region, they play Mojave again, but on the road Wednesday, and then follow that up Thursday with a road game against Agra Fria. The boys' tennis team last week went 2-0 with a pair of 9-0 wins against Deer Valley and Barry Goldwater. In the win against Barry Goldwater, sophomore Peter Dodoff and junior Justin Barry had a perfect 8-0 match in their doubles flight. At 6-2 overall and 2-1 and in the region, next up is a road game against Mingus on Tuesday and a home game against Cactus Shadows at 3.30 p.m. on Thursday. The girls' tennis team also went a perfect 2-0 last week with an 8-1 win against Deer Valley and a 6-3 win against Barry Goldwater. In the win against Barry Goldwater, seniors Alyssa DeBoard and Samantha Snyder went a perfect 8-0 in their doubles flight. At 5-3 overall and 2-1 in the region, next up is a home game against Mingus at 3.30 p.m. on Tuesday and a road game against Cactus Shadows on Thursday. The boys and girls track and field teams will join Prescott High School at the Father Olivier Invitational on Wednesday. The boys volleyball team is still looking for their first win after dropping games last week to Barry Goldwater, Agua Fria, and Dicer to fall to 0-9 overall. Next up are road games on Tuesday against Paradise Honors and Thursday against Thunderbird. Ending high school sports with the Chino Valley Cougars as the baseball team last week swept their two games against Wickenburg but lost to Scottsdale Christian. In the 11-7 win against Wickenburg at home on Friday, senior Holbert Hunter drove in five runs. At 3-7 overall and 2-2 in the region, next up are home games against Page on Tuesday and Odyssey Institute on Thursday. Both start at 3.45 p.m. They also have a home game Saturday against Fountain Hills at 1.15 p.m. The softball team went 3-1 last week, taking one of two from Wickenburg and beating Blue Ridge 20-0 and Scottsdale Christian 15-2. 
In the win over Scottsdale Christian on Saturday, six players recorded at least one RBI. At 6-3 overall and 3-3 in the region, next up is a road game on Tuesday against Page, a home game on Thursday at 345 against Odyssey Institute, and a home game on Saturday against Falcon Hills at 1.15 p.m. The boys and girls track and field teams will compete in the Westside Invitational on Thursday. The golf team also has meets this week at 2 p.m. on Tuesday at home against Northland Prep, Sedona Red Rock, and Williams before hitting the road for another against Camp Verde, Williams, and Sedona Red Rock, Red Rock in Sedona on Thursday. Over to Collegiate Sports, beginning with the Rough Riders, as the baseball team went 2-2 two two last week with a doubleheader win against number 20 Glendale at home, but a doubleheader loss to Gateway on the road. At 18-13 overall and 13-9 in the conference, they have a doubleheader against Chandler Gilbert at home on Tuesday starting at noon, a doubleheader at home against Arizona Christian on Friday starting at noon, and another doubleheader at home on Saturday against Scottsdale also starting at noon. The softball team dropped both their doubleheaders last week to Mesa and Paradise Valley as the team fell to 4-24 overall. They have home doubleheaders this week against Arizona Western on Tuesday and Chandler Gilbert on Saturday. The games against Arizona Western start at 11 a.m. and the games against Chandler Gilbert begin at noon. On to the Embry-Riddle Eagles as the baseball team after losing to OUAZ on Tuesday got swept in three games against Benedictine Mesa over the weekend. At 9-18 overall, they have home games this week against Arizona Christian on Tuesday at 3 p.m., against Westcliff on Friday at 2 p.m., and a doubleheader against Westcliff on Saturday starting at 11 a.m. The softball team, meanwhile, kept it rolling with a four-game sweep over the weekend against Benedictine and a doubleheader sweep against Menlo on Sunday. The team has won 14 games in a row. In the 11-2 Game 2 win against Menlo in five innings on Sunday, Lily Anderson had four RBIs and Leah Salas drove in three. Next up is a road doubleheader against Hope Invitational on Thursday and four over the weekend on the road against Westcliff. The team is 24-9 overall and 16-0 in the conference. The men's and women's track and field teams will compete in the Pomona-Pitzer invite over the weekend. Ending the whip around with Northern Arizona's own indoor football league team. As the NAZ Wranglers at home on Saturday got in the win column with a 48-42 win over the Vegas Nighthawks. Garrett Kettle led the team, completing 11 of 21 passes for 138 yards and three touchdowns, while also rushing for 28 yards. Glenn Gibbons Jr. also had three rushing touchdowns, while Ramad Kiyohoki had 107 yards receiving and three touchdowns. At 1-1, one one, they have another home game on Sunday against the San Diego Strike Force at 3.05 p.m. at the Finley Toyota Center in Prescott Valley. As I do every week, I'll end the show by giving my thoughts on some state sports. A pretty good opening weekend for the D-backs splitting the four-game series against the Dodgers in L.A. Corbin Carroll is already proving to be a good bet for Rookie of the Year, having a major part in that win on Sunday by stealing both second and third. However, what I feared is showing up early. I'm still concerned with the bullpen despite their good performance on Sunday. New acquisition Scott McGuff has struggled in two of his three outings, blowing the save against the Padres on Monday night. And uh, while Bumgarner settled down after giving up five runs in the first inning on Saturday, he did not look good. 
and the offense has struggled in the team's opening five games. Look, I'll take a 2-3 and three record through the first five when taking on two heavyweights in the National League, but it is a little concerning to see where this team is struggling. I'm Torn Stunham, and this has been Talking Central Arizona Sports, part of Talking Glass Media's Cast 11 Podcast Network. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday.